The Bittersweet Life is supported by listeners. People like you who listen to the show and absolutely love it. This week, I want to thank Kay and Nancy and Susan. Thank you so much for your support. If you're interested in supporting the show, you can get bonus content and thank you notes handwritten by us sent straight to you. You'll find links in the show notes. Join us on patreon.com or send in a donation by PayPal by visiting our website, thebittersweetlife.net. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today on this Halloween week, all things spooky, all things scary. Fear. Yes. What we're afraid of. All of our fears, rational and irrational. So would you say that you're a person with a lot of fears? Uh, I have my fair share. We all have irrational and rational fears, I suppose. But I think that when we talk about fear, we we really mean the irrational ones. Perhaps. I don't know. What's your irrational fear? Give me one. Well, um, I have a few. uh, Rats. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I don't think my my, my irrational fears are very original. I think they're things that a lot of people are scared of. But I am afraid of rats and not mice so much. But yeah, I mean, if there was a mice in the room, I would be on the chair for sure. But rats for sure. Uh, Spiders, we've talked about this, but spiders are a big one. Most creepy crawly things. Not cockroaches. I mean, cockroaches gross me out. Like, there's a difference between... When we're talking about bugs and animals, I think there's a difference between that thing grosses me out and that thing terrifies me. And some people are terrified of snakes, and it's a true terror. And I don't have that. Like, if there was a poisonous snake near me, I would be afraid of dying because I was being going to be bit by this snake. But that's a rational fear. Mm-hmm. Like the fear, it's, I'm just afraid I don't want to die, you know? Whereas some people who are terrified of snakes, it doesn't matter what kind of snake. It doesn't matter if it's a completely harmless snake. They're afraid of it. And that's how I feel with, with spiders. Like if I see a cockroach, I'm like, gross. I do not want a cockroach infestation in my house. That would be very bad. But I'm not terrified of them the way that I am of a spider. Well, since we've talked about spiders in the past, and I'm a constant advocate for leaving spiders alone, let's talk about the rats. What is it about a rat that's so terrifying? I don't know. It's, the, it's everything about it. It's, it's it's the sound it makes. It's the tail. The sound it makes? <laughs> yeah, it's like it makes like a squeaky, high-pitched sound. I don't know if that's actually true that it makes that sound. Yes, it does. Yes, haven't you ever seen the Indiana Jones movies? Well, yeah, that's a movie. I've lived with a rat. <laughs> I don't remember them ever making sounds like that. Again, this is irrational. It doesn't matter if it's true. I would love to buy you a pet rat because I feel like it would change everything. No, I, it would. You, I, we probably wouldn't be friends anymore. Uh, I mean, no, we would be friends anymore, but the rat <laughs> would be gone. The rat would never get inside the front door. Did you never meet the rat that I lived with in college? I don't think so. We didn't spend a lot of time together when you were in college. That's true, because you were always on the other coast, but... This rat was like the national ambassador for how wonderful a rat could be. And her name was Alon. How sophisticated. People found her particularly charming because her tail was always curled. She always held it in a curl, like a loop-de-loop. In part, that was my bad parenting because she really loved to run in her wheel and I was cheap and never bought her a bigger one. (laughs) So she had to (laughs) curl her tail up 
But she was so bright and I taught her to do all sorts of cute tricks and I don't know, everybody who met her loved her. Even if they were people who hated rats, they would get to know her and they'd think, oh, this, this creature is actually pretty amazing. I mean, I can see where if it was a friend's pet rat that was in a cage. Oh, she ran around the house. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> she had a giant nest oh. underneath my dresser. Can, stop. can you stop? Can you stop? I can't. <laughs> I can't. Like, just the word nest. Like, I can't. I can't. Okay. I can't. I can't. I can't. I'll send you a picture. You can post it online. <laughs> you can no, post it no. Online. You'll see no, how charming please she is. Don't. Please, can we change the subject? <laughs> okay, let's talk about something else. Let's talk something you're afraid of. Maybe you don't have any fears. I mean, I think my fears are much... It depends. Like, if we're talking about watching movies versus things that I'm actually afraid of in real life. It's funny because a lot of the things I would actually be afraid of, I don't know, burning alive or drowning... On a day-to-day basis, I don't really have to worry about those things. I'm not going to accidentally encounter burning alive, oh. generally speaking, as I would a rat, maybe, mm-hmm. you know? So it's challenging. Yeah. I think my my fears are much bigger and they're not necessarily things that haunt me in the middle of the night. They're just things that I would prefer not to have happen. Yes. I have a fear like that, too. My fear... I don't dwell on the fear of burning alive or drowning. For me, um, that... A similar fear to that would be being buried alive. Mm-hmm. Just being trapped in a very, very small space. Now, I don't consider myself claustrophobic. I mean, I have no problem being in an elevator. If I had to get something out of the back of my closet, like it wouldn't scare me to do that. It, if I were physically unable to move in a cage, really, really small cage where like I couldn't stretch my legs out or in a coffin or something like that. Like that, I think if I were in that situation, I would literally lose my mind before I died. It's interesting (laughs) Um, because when we were kids, there were these really real present fears like that. I feel like there was a a lot of talk about being buried alive when we were kids hmm. in just popular culture, like the saved by the bell concept where you have a bell. So if you accidentally get buried alive, you can ring the bell and somebody can come dig you up or yeah, I love that. Yeah. Or like, for instance, what in the world happened to quicksand? When I was a kid, I felt like quicksand was eminent. Like I was going to walk to a pond and I would just be sucked, <laughs> sucked under by quicksand. I, I don't feel like kids today are afraid of quicksand anymore. Uh, I don't know, but I encountered quicksand at five years old. Real quicksand in Wyoming. And? I was on a horse trip with my oldest sister who, um, who lived on a horse ranch at that time. My family trip. I was five, so I was on a horse like being led by one of the tour leaders, um, but it was one of the professionals whose horse got stuck in quicksand or something similar to quicksand. I mean, you know, looking back on it, maybe it wasn't technically quicksand, but either way, the horse was up to his neck and sinking. Oh my gosh. The horse couldn't move, the horse couldn't get out, and everybody was, was really worried. One of my other sisters was there, who was 13 at the time, and she had a cowboy hat on, and I guess, I don't know why, she had this brilliant idea. There was a little stream running by. She scooped water up in her hat, and she threw it on the horse, and it, it just sort of shocked the horse so much that he just jumped up, and he got out. Oh. So, I mean, maybe it wasn't true quicksand, but it was, to my mind, it was quicksand as a child. It was a liquidy, muddy thing that was soaking, that was 
that was eating up this huge animal. Yeah, that sounds like the definition of quicksand to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, yeah, I'd have to see if, like, what part of the world quicksand actually even happens in. But um, hmm. are you afraid of the dark? It would depend on the circumstance. So I, in my home, no. Now that said, here in the great state of Washington, there is a fort, an abandoned military fort that is now part of a park. And you can go walk around inside the empty halls of this fort, uh, largely underground, largely in the dark. And if you don't have a flashlight, there's all these like pocket rooms to the side and stuff. And of course, it smells like urine. It's covered in graffiti. And and there are these long hallways where the, there are these pocket doors off the side. And in something like that, that creeps me out because uh -huh. I'm in a war, well-lit place than whoever could be in the pocket door, if that makes sense. Okay. Are you afraid of what is in the dark or of the dark itself? Because I think that's the difference. Like if, I think your fears to me sound very rational. <laughs> you, you know, you're afraid of dying, you know, in certain yes. ways uh, because they're probably really painful ways to die. And you're afraid that maybe some person is hiding, waiting to grab you and do something horrible to you in the dark. It's not just like the dark itself. Yes, I would say that's true. A very early childhood dream, a reoccurring dream that I used to have was when I was a kid in the basement, there was a laundry room. To turn the light on in the laundry room, you had to go in it and turn the corner and then you could turn the light on. Mm -hmm. And I had this reoccurring dream in my childhood where I would be coming down the stairs to the basement and I would hear a scraping sound from around the corner and in my dream just before I woke up every time a man would come around the corner and this is another truly childhood thing with a hook for a hand <laughs> <laughs> and he would come around the corner and just sort of emerge from the dark and at that point I would just wake up oh, gosh so I think the lasting idea that there could be something in the dark if you're in a strange place. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's more of what's in the dark. It's not the dark itself. Okay. Yeah, you are more rational because I remember, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm older now. I'm a grown up. So hopefully I wouldn't have this fear anymore, but I still kind of do, Katie. You know, I grew up by the lake, mm -hmm. but I could never really go in the lake by myself. And when I got to be in my mid twenties, <laughs> I finally was able to do it. But as a, you know, big child, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, I couldn't go in the lake by myself. I was scared. If a friend was in the lake with me, I wasn't scared anymore. Okay. Now, first of all, it was a freshwater lake. What could possibly be living in there that could hurt me? Jaws was not going to come pull you under. <laughs> no, but to me, that possibility was there. To be honest, even in a swimming pool, the possibility, <laughs> as a child, the possibility of Jaws was always there, yeah. but especially in the lake. And then, of course, when I saw that movie Lake Placid <laughs> with that gigantic crocodile and living in a freshwater lake, well, that just ruined my life. But I remember water skiing as a young adult and being like, oh God, I hope I don't fall because there might be a gigantic crocodile underneath me. I know it's not true, Katie. I know my rational mind knows it's not true, but nevertheless, I am scared. And so for me, fear is something that will hit me every so often. And it's not like it's a constant thing. If it hits me, it's a psychological thing. If it hits me, 
There's no rationalizing my way out of it. I just have to get myself out of the situation. So I remember, you know, I used to swim all the time, every summer, all summer long. But if I was in the lake by myself, let's say water skiing, you know, when you, you fall, you're in the lake by yourself. Yeah, I mean, not completely by yourself, but in that general zone until you, you know, get out of the water and get into the boat. And usually I was fine with it. But every so often that fear would hit me, whether it was a fear of a shark or a fear of a, of a giant crocodile or sometimes just the fear of like a dead body floating near me. Like mm-hmm. those were probably the only three things that I would think of or, or, or monster you know, monster a little bit less, but one of those three things. And I, the only thing I could do, if it hit me, I had to get out of the water immediately. There's no way I could talk myself into being like, Tiffany, don't be silly. There's no giant crocodile in this lake. So that's not to say that I always had that fear. It's just that in those few moments where this fear would hit me, and the same thing happens to this day, Katie, (laughs) again, it doesn't happen very often, but every so often I'll be in bed only when I'm by myself and if it's totally dark and I'll just all of a sudden be like there are 3,000 spiders at the bottom of my bed no dear or there's a tarantula yeah and Katie I kid you not I cannot help myself I have to turn on the light and I have to look under the covers (laughs) and make sure there's no tarantula is it irrational fear that I I can't seem to control I have that in if I stay in a motel I worry about bed bugs sometimes but see, that's rational again. I thought you were going to say. <laughs> so this is making it very clear how differently our minds work. I thought you were going to say that like you were afraid of psycho. Like and you would go in the bathroom and make sure <laughs> that Norman Bates wasn't in there. <laughs> that's what you were going to say. <laughs> Bed bugs is a totally rational fear. But when it comes to lakes, I actually grew up in Minnesota and you develop a really real fear of leeches so there was a reason not to go into certain parts of the lake Mm -hmm. then again uh, that's a a, that's a rational fear i I mean okay so we're nearing halloween here and around this time of year i'm not a big scary movie fan but i I do it i do it during october and and it used to be much more fun when there were video stores derek doesn't really like scary movies i used to make him go to the video store pick one out We'd walk home, we'd watch it, and then I made him walk it back to the video store that night. Oh, <laughs> why would you do that? Because you're so amped up. Well, you're so, the way that you experience the world when you've just terrified yourself for two hours, it just is a wonderful contrast of what does it feel like coming home to the video store before you've watched it mm. versus what does it feel like when you're going back to the video store after you watched it? And nothing has changed. Still walking in your same neighborhood same route that you went before except all of a sudden everything is like a gust of wind is all of a sudden like so much more dramatic and exciting so i do delve into that during this time of year yeah there's no way i would be able to do it i would be too scared i think you could do it Mm. he didn't want to do it either well first i don't think i could watch i mean i i've never been able to watch horror films like true horror, gore. Pick no, no, no. Psychological. Yeah. Psychological. I love psychological thrillers and I hate horror. Mm-hmm. I love suspense. But what I've discovered about myself recently is that I really, really love ghost stories. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm almost toying with the idea of writing one or at least a short story 
just because it's they're so fascinating. I watched The Haunting of Bly House on Netflix recently. We're watching that right now. Don't ruin anything. I will not give anything away, absolutely. But I, I just, beyond to say that I really loved it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to watch the earlier season, which is a different story. Some of the same actors, The Haunting of Hill House. I have read some ghost stories. Edith Wharton did some great ghost stories, but I haven't read very many. I loved The Others. That's one of my favorite movies I would say like top 25 movies Mm -hmm. I love that so I I'm like oh my gosh I just realized that you know all these things that I like when I like to be scared it's that I like to be scared by the idea of ghosts not monsters not murderers or horror people like with like a machine gun or a uh, what's that thing machete what is that thing that electric thing that chainsaw 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 I don't like that stuff that does not do it for me but I love the ghost story. Yeah, I would agree. I don't like the gory stuff. Yeah, no, no, no gory stuff. But I love the creepy, spine tingly. Yes. What that made me think about was why do we like to be scared? What is it about us that makes us seek out, not everybody, but a lot of people, you know, whether it's something psychological like watching a movie or whether it's something physical like going on a roller coaster or skydiving, why do we like to scare ourselves? I wish I knew the answer to that question. Maybe it is just about that, what I said earlier, living on a different plane, a way to heighten your life without really making any major changes. Actually, I read some articles just before taping just to get a little bit of a expert opinion on this. And apparently, so when you see a scary movie or go to a haunted house or go on a roller coaster, you're in a controlled environment. And so there's something in your brain, unless you're me, you know, and you can't handle irrational fear. But for most people, there's something in your brain that's telling you this isn't real. Even though a movie seems real and you get some of the same physical you know, your heart starts pounding and, you know, your tongue might go dry and mm-hmm. you might get the physical side of it. Inside your brain, your brain knows it's not real. But what you do get is you get a dopamine hit, which is excitement, which gives you excitement. They said that, you know, a lot of times after you've been scared in that sort of a way, people usually laugh afterwards because, you know, they're kind of giddy about it. Yeah, yeah. A roller coaster is the perfect example of that. Yeah. Hmm. That would be the reason. This sort of exactly what you said. You know, you you're scared, but yet you know you're safe. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Those of you who have been listening a long time, we've played a couple times my favorite Halloween story, which is about a four year old who loves to watch horror movies. Episode The Blood. The Blood. The Blood. Yeah. yeah the Blood. <laughs> um I, when you ask that question, why do we like to be scared? I asked her that question and she said in her cute little four-year-old voice, because it's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think, why do we like to be scared? Because it's fun. Although I do have to say that being the mother of a now five-year-old child, I cannot even conceive of how her parents allow her to watch that stuff at four years old. Uh, because, I mean, I only know my son, but man... He would be, she would be scarred for life. He gets scared, so scared by things that are so not scary <laughs> at all. Well, that's a, that's a weird question because I often explored in that piece and have thought about it a lot since then because I was relatively sheltered in what I could see. Mm-hmm. And because of that, sometimes I wonder if it didn't heighten the fear even more. 
because I could never see anything that was not tame. Yeah. If I accidentally caught a glimpse of something that was not tame, Mm -hmm. like for instance, I remember being in an Italian restaurant as a kid, probably Aurelio's age, and there was a television on and in television, whatever movie it was, a bloody hand reached out of the bathtub. Mm. And I saw that and my mother managed to cover my eyes. Man, that bloody hand was burned into my brain for ever. (laughs) Yeah, I had an experience with a movie when I was little. It was called The Watcher in the Woods. Have you ever seen that movie? No. It's a Disney movie, believe it or not. It's I'm not alone in being terrified by that movie. I've seen people, occasionally people will talk about it. Like I'll see people talking about it on Twitter. They'll be like, what is a movie that terrified you and scarred you for life when you were a child? And everyone's like, the watcher in the woods. Some people will say like Poltergeist or um, The Exorcist or Child's Play or these like classic terrifying movies that are truly scary. But there'll always be one person who'll be like the watcher in the woods. And then there'll be comments. Oh my God, I saw that when I was little. My mom got us a babysitter one night. I was probably six or seven. And she got this movie. She picked it up at the video store thinking, it's Disney. They'll be, they'll be fine. And I was so scared by that movie that I slept with my mom for years couple of years <laughs> boy if you can regret a decision as a mom that's it right there <laughs> my poor mom she was she was uh. she was easy about that kind of thing but oh that movie terrified me and my sister I mean she she was scared by it too but you know she's older so she used to taunt me about it and she used to say like a couple lines from the movie that were particularly scary and uh I just was thinking about this recently and I looked up the uh the trailer on YouTube it brought me back. I was scared again. I mean, all of our listeners are like, man, Tiffany, you are seriously a scaredy cat. She has some serious issues. <laughs> but yeah, that movie scared the bejesus out of me. But that movie reminds me of, and this is maybe the difference between practical and impractical. Mm-hmm. Rational and irrational. It, rational and irrational. So I mentioned once, I think, that early on in my life, I was very afraid of death. And... The one point I can remember staying up all night was reading The End of the Last Battle by C.S. Lewis, <laughs> which I don't know if you've ever read that, but it's the final book in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up to see what it said. And uh, I just want to read you part of it. So everything that's happened right now, they're in this celebratory they're in this magical world called Narnia. The kids are in this celebratory thing. They've just gotten reunited with their parents that they haven't seen for a really long time because they are dead. And Aslan, remember, is the lion, the lion figure. He comes up to one of the little girls and he says, you do not yet look so happy as I mean you to be. And she says, Lucy said, we're so afraid of being sent away. And you have sent us back into our own world so often. So they're expecting like they've finished the battle they're about to be sent home they're not going to be in this magical world anymore and he says no fear of that have you not guessed their hearts leapt and a wild hope rose within them there was a real railway accident aslan said softly your father and mother and all of you are as you used to call it in the shadowlands dead (gasps) the term is over the holidays have begun the dream is ended this is the morning And that scared the crap out of me. It is scary. For me, it was scary because how could you have died and not realize that you had died? And as a kid, that that concept 
scared me so much. The Shadowlands are where we are on Earth. Uh. And now they're in this beautiful utopia of magical creatures. And that kept me up for weeks. Weeks. Did you ever think to yourself, am I alive? No, I knew I was alive, but I think it made me cling to like the fact that I was alive. Yeah. The fact that these kids had gone on this giant adventure that took an entire novel and didn't realize the entire time that they were dead. No, it took like seven novels. <laughs> well, no, I mean, they don't die until the, the final book. Ah, okay. All yeah. right. They're on this epic adventure for a whole book and don't realize that they're, they've been dead the whole time. It's just, ugh. Anyway. No, there is something creepy about that. It is. Um, but of course, you know, I've been reading this book, Facing Death, by Jim DeMaine, who was our guest recently, getting ready for an event that we're going to be doing together. And in reading this book, I did find, because we were talking about things that were a little creepy, I think this was meant to be hopeful, but I, I thought it was kind of a nice little Halloween story. <laughs> he recounts a story uh, in this book about a clairvoyant cat that works with the Dr. Dosa who uh, works with Alzheimer's patients in a Boston nursing home. And this cat, I'm going to just read you this line that he wrote. An uncanny cat, Oscar, appeared to have an unfailing accuracy for being able to identify a patient on their last day of life. He would jump on the patient's bed and refuse to leave. No one could ever determine how he knew when death was imminent. Yeah. That's freaky. That could be a good... Halloween story. A ghost story. Halloween story. Yeah, the cat. He'd have to have a more sinister name than Oscar, I feel. Yeah, and he'd have to be black. <laughs> he'd have to be a black cat, you yes. know? And we don't know. We don't know what color Oscar is. But, uh, of course, he. this whole book is about trying to come to terms with death and make a plan so that it's not quite this overwhelming dark shadow that hangs over everything, but that you can really figure out what place death has in your life and not burden your family in the process. Mm -hmm. Still a little freaky. Yeah. What if Ding Dong is like Oscar and one day he's (laughs) really, really close? Truthfully, I do think that animals have some other sense that we don't have, not necessarily about death, but about, you know, just the wellness uh, or unwellness of the people around them. I mean, I just remember my own cats as a little girl. I just remember whenever I was sick, our cats would just, they would always just want to jump on me and cuddle me and mm-hmm. and be extra sweet to me. It was like they had a sense that they needed to take care of me. I remember that so much as a child. I mean, it makes sense to me because when my dog was dying, I could tell. Yeah. I could smell it on him. Mm. So it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, there have been some crazy stories It was something I saw on like a video on YouTube or something. I don't know how I found it. But anyway, this dog always laid on his owner's or his human's, I should say, chest. Ever since he was a puppy, he would always lay on on the man's chest. And they would always go on uh, long walks every day through the woods. And one day... The man recounts the story and he's telling the story in an interview. The dog did not want to go on the walk that day. You know, usually dogs love to go on walks. And he kept pulling me back and he didn't want to go and he didn't want to go. And the man sort of insisted. And then during the walk, the dog just kept pulling him back towards home and pulling him back towards home. And he just refused to stay out with him. And so finally, the guy just gave in and said, well, whatever, just go back home. It was a big dog and went home and had a heart attack. Hmm. And uh, if he'd been out in the woods, you know, who knows what would have happened. So this dog knew 
he knew somehow that there was something wrong with this man's heart. Yeah. Maybe because he'd heard it so often and he heard something that was different. And he knew enough to know not to go far away from home. I mean, that's just amazing. So would you find that to be a hopeful story or a creepy story? Well, I got to say the dog one is hopeful. The cat one freaks me out. It's like I just picture myself as one of the patients. And I know that Jim DeMaine says, you know, welcome the cat when he hops in your bed. Be ready for death. I mean, I'm not there yet. I'm not at the stage of my life where (laughs) I'm even close to being ready for death. Yeah. So I can just imagine like if you live there and you knew that what that cat did and the day that it comes on yours, it's like it's a horror story. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You know, everyone and bringing it full circle. What if it was a clairvoyant rat, Tiffany? Um. Yeah, I would be moving out. I would be moving out. Well, don't forget that Jim and I are going to be doing a live event together on November 16th, talking about this book, and we can all be together there. You can register online. Tiffany will put a link in the show notes. And of course, if you want to have read this book like I have by the time we get to that event, you can order it wherever you get your books. Cool. It's called Facing Death by Jim Demaine. Looking forward to that. So Katie, sort of to wrap up, I wanted to ask you, is there anything that a lot of people are afraid of or that significant numbers of people are afraid of that you actually really like? Besides spiders? You like spiders? That would be one for sure. I love spiders. Oh my God. I love them. I think they're the most remarkable creatures. Yeah. Rats, spiders. Yeah. I love rats too. Yeah. I love all small things. I feel like small things deserve a place in this world and we're way bigger than them. I love small things. I have nothing against small butterflies, small ladybugs. Hey, don't judge just because something's a little ugly. I know. I know. It is that. They're also like amazing web weavers. They are keeping the bug population under control. No, I'm glad that they exist so they can get rid of bugs, other bugs. But I just don't want them near me and I don't want to see them. Yeah. Especially the big ones. The little ones don't really bother me. It's the big ones that scare me and the way that they move. Do you have something? Nothing that creepy. (laughs) (laughs) I like being underwater, despite the fact that I am sometimes afraid of what might be in the water. I mean, I've done a little bit of scuba diving and I love the sense of being underwater. And when I sometimes when I meditate or when I'm anxious and I need to like sort of picture myself somewhere, I literally will picture myself deep under the water with the fish, little tiny fish. So that calms me actually and I love and I don't think that this is rare I think a lot of people love this but some people are scared of it Mm -hmm. I love thunder and lightning I love it too as long as you're not totally soaked as long as you have a good umbrella although you're not supposed to have an umbrella because no don't you or not a metal umbrella (laughs) no shelter under a tree it's like kind of all these things (laughs) (laughs) um I can end with one scary story for you okay although this would be more of a scary story for my mom So enjoy this, mom. We had a babysitter once and there was a thunder and lightning storm. And we said to the babysitter, hey, can we put on our boots and go outside and splash in the puddles? And she was like, sure. And so we put on our boots and we were walking down to splash in the puddle. And there was this big puddle there just ready to be splashed in. And right before we get to it, a bolt of lightning came down and hit the street right in front of us. Oh, my Lord. Me and my sisters all screamed, lightning, (laughs) and ran back toward the house. That is scary. I remember that close call. Even still, I love a thunderstorm. But again, it's one of those things like, why do you like to be afraid? It's just so different. Yeah. It's not normal life. It's heightened life. Mm -hmm. Well, we should probably leave it there. Yeah. 
Happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah, have a nice scary night. Yes, not too scary, but just scary enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. If you love this show, you have the ability to keep it going. There are three things that you can do right now. First, tell a friend about it. Send a text to someone today. Or make a social media post and tag us. Second, write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you need help doing it, just ask us. Third, vote with your dollars. You pay to visit a museum. You pay to rent a movie online. If you get some enjoyment from this show, become a patron at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast or donate at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. Thank you for taking action. Talk to you next week. Bye.